This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. We are all part of one mind, a great energy gestalt, and we are connected at the level of the collective unconsciousness. Each individual aspect of the gestalt has its own electrical system, its own vibration rate, and interacts with all other aspects. Thus, we are all connected to one another and to a central point. On a higher self or psychic level, it is possible for anyone to tune in to anyone else and to draw upon the entire gestalt. Humankind takes advancing steps when group consciousness reaches critical mass and new awareness is accepted by the whole. Everything begins as a thought or idea. Ideas and experiences create beliefs that in turn create your reality. If you are unhappy with your current reality, you must change your beliefs and your behavior. Beliefs can be changed when you recognize which ones are not working for you. Change that belief and your life will change. With respect to changing your behavior, you must decide the disharmonious behavior you need to eliminate. Then, realize you don't have to change how you feel about it. You simply have to change what you are doing. Buddha knew what he was talking about when he said, your resistance to what is causing your suffering. I do not think Earth is our home. After 40 years of study and having researched and written more than a dozen books on related subjects, it is clear to me spirit is our true home. And we each are here on Earth on a journey that had a beginning and will have an end. Regardless of your religious beliefs or lack thereof, You came from spirit, and you will return to spirit, says Stephen Hawley Martin. In this episode, Valeria Tellis interviews Stephen. Best-selling author Stephen Hawley Martin has had more than half a dozen titles achieve bestseller status on Amazon.com and is the only three-time winner of the Writer's Digest Book Award, having won first prize twice for fiction and once for nonfiction. He has also won a first prize for visionary fiction from Independent Publisher and a first prize for nonfiction from USA Book News. In all, he has written 17 books under his own name and has ghostwritten a half a dozen more, including a memoir for a $2.5 billion in sales tech company CEO, a best-selling business management title for another tech company CEO, and two titles for consultants in the Six Sigma and Lean Production Arena. 
For two years, he hosted a successful weekly internet talk radio show, The Truth About Life, which averaged 30,000 listener downloads per episode. A former advertising agency president and CEO, he is currently editor and publisher of the Oakley Press. Click here to visit the Oakley Press website, where you can learn how Stephen can help bring your book or your book idea to market. Here is the interview with Stephen Holly Martin. In your own words, who is Stephen Holly Martin? Oh, gosh. Well, Stephen Holly Martin uh, is a writer. Uh, I'm also a ghostwriter. I would say, more importantly, a uh, spiritual being who is having a physical experience right now and here on planet Earth. Uh, I believe that we are all uh, immortal, uh, that we're all eternal beings, and that uh, we come into this reality often many times uh, to, to experience and to um, sometimes to learn certain things. And uh, sometimes we have each have a mission to accomplish while we're here. And I feel like I have a mission. And one of those missions, that mission is to, uh, is to tell people, let people know and to convince them through, uh, through logic and through science that they are indeed spiritual beings having a physical experience and that they all have uh, reasons that they're here and they need to find out what those reasons are and uh, and try to pursue them. So that's that's who I am. Yeah, it sounds really good. Thank you. I have a few warm-up questions before we talk about your book, Your Path to Bliss, How to Find and Pursue Your Purpose. Speaking of purpose, right? Mission and lessons. So my first warm-up question is, what is life? Oh, well, life is consciousness, and uh, life is being aware that you are who, that you are alive, that you are you, that you, uh, I think it was Descartes that said, I think, therefore I am, and uh, that, that is life, and, and I believe that uh, all creation, all physical creation is alive. Uh, trees are alive, uh, plants. Uh, Animals are alive. They all have that consciousness. And in fact, consciousness is life. Life is consciousness. And consciousness permeates physical reality. I think it's the basis upon which, uh, upon which physical reality was created uh, is, is life. It's, and it's a force, a life force. It's a, lot, it's a force that pushes toward growth, harmony, evolution. It's something we all share. Yeah. Do you think that consciousness, awareness, and the mind itself, they're all one, all the same thing, or somewhat different? Well, I think they are all aspects of the same thing. I think that there is one mind, uh, that we are all one, that we think we're different or separate uh, from, from the one mind, but that really, as they say in the East, that's Maya. That's an illusion. Mm -hmm. That uh, that we have thinking that we're separate because we we have a body we have our own mind our own thoughts our own memories and uh, and so we feel we're separate but uh, we are all part of the one mind and there are instances when you have a kind of mystical experience which 
which I have had, you feel at one with the whole and you kind of instantly know that you are. But it's something that's very hard to describe to other people who haven't had that, uh, haven't had that experience. That's true. Do you believe that everyone has this kind of experience, but they're just not aware of them? That I think many people have had the experience. I don't think everyone has had it. Uh, I've talked, you know, there are unfortunately so many uh, people that buy into what science says, which is based on the 19th century uh, mechanicalistic idea that uh, the, the only thing that exists is matter. And if mm -hmm. the only thing that exists is matter, then the brain creates consciousness and And when the brain dies, the consciousness dies. But, uh, but that's not so. Uh, and in fact, in my books, uh, I go into great detail on research that's been done that shows that's not the truth. The University of Virginia, for example, has been studying, uh, studying this question for about 60 years. And they have come to the conclusion that the brain does not create consciousness. The brain is a receiver of consciousness, sort of like a... Tell a uh, cell phone or a, or a radio is a receiver of, of uh, um, something that originated elsewhere. And your consciousness uh, is not created by your brain. It, your brain captures your consciousness and, and integrates it with your body. So uh, that's a long answer to uh, your question. But uh, I don't think that people who believe that just – Uh, material substance matter exists are likely to have that kind of experience. Maybe they would when if they go through a crisis or, or something. But uh, a lot of people don't. It's too bad. Yeah, yeah, it is. I agree. I mean, I'm just wondering why this um, happens when we think about the uh, purpose of life, the experience in the human body is to learn certain lessons and evolve. So I'm just wondering why some of us don't get that um, the mission accomplished. Well, it's because they haven't really, uh, they don't believe it. You know, they've been taught since they were children in school. You know, if you, if you uh, believe what your science teacher told you, uh, you're going to think that's impossible. And so it won't even occur to you to think that you might be here for a reason. But the fact of the matter is, uh, if you stop and think, and that's what, This book that we're going to talk about a little bit more, Your Path to Bliss, is about. It's about taking the time and stopping and thinking, taking a time out from life, maybe take eight hours uh, the first time you do it and, um, and, and really dig into your own subconscious mind and figure out what it is that you have to contribute, uh, what talents and, and uh, gifts you might have that you can use to to serve others, to make life a better, make this world a better place to live. And that may get you to what, why you came here. Of course, there are other reasons you could come here besides that. You could just come here because you wanted to learn a particular lesson, or maybe you might have come here uh, with some other kind of mission. But I think most of us come here to use the unique talents that we have probably developed over many lifetimes in service to others. And uh, once we do that, we will find ourselves having a very fulfilling life. And, and that's why I say it's your path to bliss. It's, it's finding that purpose 
and pursuing it. Oh, wow. You're right. We're going to be talking about beliefs a lot. I love that uh, that topic. And I think that the reason why I chose one of your books, you sent me three of them. It's because it seems like this is a great time, isn't it, Stephen, to uh, examine disconnected, dysfunctional beliefs? Yeah, especially now, we're, while we're recording this, we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pan pandemic, and a lot of people are cooped up in their homes, and who knows how long that will last. But while they're there, this is something they could do. They could, uh, they could take that time out easily to to really think and meditate and, and figure out what their purpose is and how they might put that purpose to work to serve others. And, and then when the pandemic pandemic's over and we can get out and back on back into a normal life, they can, they can then pursue it, maybe start a business or go to take a particular kind of job where they can, we can use that talent that they've figured out that will lead them to, uh, a life of bliss. Right, right. So continue with my warm-up questions. The follow-up question for the first one, what is life, is what do you think is the opposite of life? Hmm, well, um, I'm not sure there is an opposite. I mean, everything is alive, in the, certainly in the physical world. It may not be all good, But even a piece of steel, if you look, if you were to able to look and really deeply into that piece of steel, you would see that it is alive with, with electrons and quarks and all those little pieces of energy that are flying around. It's not really a solid uh, substance. There's no such thing as solid uh, substance. It's all energy and it's all moving rapidly. We just don't see it. So I think it's really all alive. Yeah, and I agree. What is the meaning of freedom to you? Uh, the ultimate freedom for me is to be able to spend each day in your own way, doing what you like to do, what you want to do. And to me, that is freedom. It's freedom from worry about money. It's freedom from worry about ill health. It's freedom to, to do as you please. And that's why I say, You need to follow your bliss. You need to figure out what it is you can do each day that you love to do, and then you will indeed achieve that. Yeah, I love that, what you just said. What is the world's greatest need at this time? I think the greatest need is a return to uh, the belief that, uh, that what, I, what I call providence The fact that there is this uh, one mind that that is pushing toward growth and evolution and, and has uh, wants things to work out the best way for us to evolve and become who we came to Earth to become, uh, I, I think a return to that belief. And I don't mean that you have to become a Christian or a Hindu or a Buddhist. I think you can you can do that with just realizing that it is what it is, that that, that, that that providence, that one mind does exist, and, it, and it's pushing toward growth and harmony. Yeah, yes. And you speak of harmony in your book, in this book, and I have some questions for you about that. Um, what is love to you? What is your definition of love? 
Ooh, love. Love is uh, love is action, really. It, it can be an emotion. Obviously, romantic love is an emotion. But I think uh, you know the the. Christian Bible has about four different words for love. Each one of them means something a little bit different. And to me, love is the action of doing to others as, as you would have others do unto you. That's the rule, of course. And, uh, and to me, that is, that's what love is. It's, it's doing to others what you would have those others do for you or to you. I would say if I have to, uh, pin it down to one thing, that's what I would pin it down to. I know you talk about unconditional love in your book too, so I have some questions about that later. <laughs> um, what, where, and who is God to you? Well, what would be the, the infinite mind that, that underlies, undergirds, supports and informs reality, that creates reality? Uh, where is everywhere at once, and what was the third part of that? <laughs> what? what, where, and who? Who? Yeah. I really have a kind of pantheistic uh, view of God, which is that God is in every living thing. Uh, it is even in things that aren't what we consider alive, like I said, that piece of steel. So it, God is transcended, and God permeates reality. God is underlies reality. It's everywhere at once. Hmm. I guess a question that comes to mind is, why do you think so many of us choose to believe that there is a God that is personal, that takes care of one person more than others, or a God that judges, that punishes, that's sitting out there and looking upon us? Well, I think it's because they are egocentric. They, uh, they have created that God in their own mind that is like them, anthropomorphic God, that uh, is an extent, really an extension of themselves. And uh, if they believe truly believe that, that's the experience they will have. If they believe that there's a God that judges, that picks winners and losers, then their uh, life is going to be like that. They're going to be <laughs> things are going to happen to them. They're going to reinforce that because it's what's in their subconscious mind, and their their subconscious mind is connected to the infinite mind. And the, but the infinite mind, the transcendent mind, uh, God that I talked about just a minute ago, is subjective. It doesn't make judgments. It plays back to us what we put into it in the form of thoughts and beliefs. So if we put into the subjective mind the belief that we are going to be judged or punished for some dis something we do, then we indeed will be because that's, you know, it's just playing back to us what we put into it. Oh, yeah. And that goes back to the karma idea. Yeah, you talk in your book. Yeah, karma is another thing that's real. Now, uh, it's not exactly the same thing. I think that uh, karma is, well, let me say this. There are laws of physics. That's the physical universe. You know, you 
one of the laws is that for every action, there is an equal and an opposite reaction. That comes from Newton. Uh, there are laws of metaphysics, which is the unseen world, the, the spirit world, and the same thing happens. What you what you give out is what you get back. If you want to be loved, you need to love. If you want to be uh, want to, want respect, you need to respect others. It's 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 just a basic law of the universe, a law of metaphysics that what you if you're ugly and mean to people, people are going to be ugly and mean to you, you know? Uh, I was thinking today, uh, last night I watched a a documentary about World War II and the terrible atrocities that the the German uh, Nazis, uh, you know, what they did back then. And uh, when they started out, they really thought they were invincible and they had great victories. But what they gave out came back to them in spades. I mean, they their cities were destroyed. The fat millions of their people were killed. I mean, they, they got back what they gave out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just the way the universe works. Um, is it connected to the uh, the law of attraction? Well, the law of attraction is real uh but it's because what's in your mind if you what you hold in your mind what you believe is going to happen and we've already been talking about this in terms of you know when you think you're going to be judged by god or punished you are you will be because that's what you got in your mind well what you've got in your mind is is if you hold it long enough and believe it strongly enough and even feel it and feelings are a very important part of that it's going to happen, whether it's good or bad, whatever's in your mind is going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, it works. But um, that, that reason people need to know that is because if you don't have good thoughts in your mind, if you think you're going to be sick, uh, if you think that uh, something awful is going to happen, it probably will. So, I mean, you need to change your thoughts, change your thoughts and you'll change your reality. Yeah, so true. So my last warm up question is. What do you think is the main purpose of your life? My life? Well, I think I've already touched on that. That is, uh, I'm, I feel like my purpose is to uh, write these books. I've written about 20 or so, maybe more. I know people should go to my website, shmartin.com. That's S as in Sam, H as in Henry, and Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N.com, and you can look at the books that I've written and even click on them and go to Amazon and buy them. But my purpose is to really, what I would feel I've uh, achieved it if I convince enough people that the materialist idea that matter is all there is, is false, and that we are each, uh, we're each eternal beings here on earth having a, uh, a physical experience, if I can convince people, enough people of that, so that it begins to, at least to change the, the uh, uh, predominant ideas nowadays that science has, has uh, convinced a lot of people of, then I will have accomplished my mission. And, and my, my mission is to get science to realize that they're off base, that they're hanging on to an idea that's from the 19th century that doesn't hold water anymore. 
and they can read some of my books and they'll they'll see that it's true because it's not me saying it. It's people who've done an awful lot of research. I mentioned the University of Virginia has been at it for 60 years. Since 1960 is when they started. And uh, that same unit of the University of Virginia Medical, Sto- Medical School is still doing the same research. It's the, called the Division of Perceptual Studies. Look it up on online. Google the Division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia, and you'll see what they're up to. Wonderful. Yeah. So let's talk about your book. What was the inspiration, intention, and the process of writing Your Path to Bliss? Well, the inspiration for it and the title is uh, there was a uh, gentleman, uh, a college professor named Joseph Campbell. Uh, He lived from 1904 to I think he died in in 1987, who uh, wrote a a number of books. He was a professor of comparative religion at uh, Sarah Lawrence, then college, I think it's now a university in upstate New York somewhere. Uh, And he wrote a book called um, Hero with a Thousand Faces. And the, that book uh, called attention to the idea that that uh, myths throughout the ages and in all cultures have a similar uh, storyline in that uh, the hero of the story uh, is yanked out of his ordinary world and tossed into a situation where he has to uh, use his wits and and his strength to survive and so forth. But uh, the line that he he was the subject of a um, TV series on PBS television, public television, back in the 1980s called The Power of Myth, because he knew all these myths. He'd studied them, and he'd studied comparative religions, and he saw that there was this underlying uh, story running throughout them. And his advice, both on that TV show, but to his students at uh, Sarah Lawrence, was to follow you, your bliss, to find out what it is that you love, and to pursue that. And if you do, uh, things will fall together and come together for you so that you are uh, able to, uh, to have a, to sur- not only to survive, but to have a life that is blissful in the sense that you're doing what you what you want to do, what you're good at, what you like to do, and uh, and so the title of the book, "Your Path to Bliss: How to Find and Pursue Your Purpose," really comes from that. And the idea that I, what I try to do in the book is give you a way of going into your own mind to find out what that is, what that is that you should be doing. Uh, in order to find your bliss and follow it. Right. Yeah, so follow your bliss, which is connected to um, being in tune, being connected with that, which gives us the sense of being alive. For some of us, we have more than one bliss, one thing that makes us to feel that way. So how do we choose one? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. I'm not sure I know if you have, you know, it's likely that 
that your your different things that you love are somehow connected. I would say, and mm-hmm. that that uh, would be a way to uh, to tie them all together. But uh, I don't know what DVD you have. I know that this is your you're the one asking the question. But do you have several things that you would like to that you like to do that you would uh, be happy doing any one of them? Yes, I actually had many years ago when I began to live this the journey of knowing what my purpose was and all that. And I found out that I had more than one. But for me, what was interesting in the process of choosing was asking the question, what serves me? What is life asking me to do at this moment? What can I do now? What bliss would serve my journey at this moment? in my life. And that's how I decided to write. That was the first one. Yeah, I guess, you know, you're right that different times in your life uh, make, you know, what you what you ought to be doing at that particular time, indeed could change. I mean, it's true of myself. I'm, uh, I'm an old man now. <laughs> but I, uh, I've done a number of different things, you know, for many, many years, I was in the advertising business, and I, I wrote ads and did TV commercials and all that sort of thing, and and I enjoyed it. But you know, after a while, I got, uh, I felt like I I was just repeating myself, and I needed to do something different. And I was always interested in this idea of, uh, of you know, the spiritual side of things, the one life. Uh, I, I was raised in a family of. Uh, I guess you would call them secular humanists who, who bought into the materialist idea. And they were nice people and all that. But uh, I had a, an experience when I was in my 20s that uh, that kind of made me question all that. And, and I began to pursue and try to learn what I could. And I guess came around to this, to where I am now. And it, it became time for me to leave that advertising business and 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 write books about uh, about that and that's what i've been doing for the last 20 years or so right so that was my next question about your own hero's journey yeah um good question i as i said i was brought up in a, a family where you know they we might go to church once once or twice a year you know they but they were basically uh, secularists didn't uh, didn't really put much stock in that, and so I didn't. You know, I thought that's the way things were. And um, but I grew up, went to college, and my father and older brother had been in the advertising business, so that seemed like an interesting thing. And it was sort of like what what you did, and, you know, you followed. <laughs> and so I I started doing that, and I enjoyed it. I had a good time, but. Once, I guess I was about 27 years old, I uh, was very sick with the flu. And long story short, I had an out-of-body experience where I was looking at myself. I was up on the ceiling looking down at my body on the bed. And uh, that didn't last very long. It wasn't one of these uh, near-death experiences where you go and have a life review and all that sort of thing. It was, it might be probably lasted 30 seconds or something like that. But it was enough for me to think, my gosh, well, if I'm, you know, if my 
consciousness is created by my brain, how can I be up at the ceiling looking down at my body and my head, is, you know, brain's inside my head there. So that kind of started me thinking. And I, I, uh, I started reading everything I could uh, about metaphysics. And I joined the Rosicrucian uh, Society, which is a, a society of mystics, uh, you know, people who study metaphysics. And I went through their whole course and be- went from uh, novice to adept, and uh, which is the different levels. And but I, and and then I think it probably a few years later, in my thirties, I I read uh, life. I think it's Life After Life by Raymond Moody, which was about near death experiences, and and that really got me into it. But Again, to make the long story short, I stayed in the advertising business until my uh, I went into business with my brother. We built up an ad agency and uh, sold it, and then I started another one and sold and worked in that one and built it up and sold it. And that's when I decided I was going to stop and really do what I had been wanting to do for a while by then, which was to... Uh, to write books about what I'd learned about metaphysics. And that's what I've been doing for the past 20 years or so, which brings me up today, to today. <laughs> that's wonderful. Did that change, Stephen, that passion for writing throughout these years? You know, I went from writing ads for uh, banks and insurance companies to writing uh, books about <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, the writing changed, but I was, you know, always enjoyed writing. Uh, Just a different topic, I guess. Right, right. So let's talk about the six steps that anyone can follow to uh, find out what their purpose is or to return to the right path. But before that, because we will be talking a lot about beliefs, I need to uh, clarify something. Uh, what is the difference between beliefs, values, inner knowing, and wisdom, per se? Mm. Well, beliefs are something you, I guess you don't have to have proof about, but you have to have a feeling about that they're True. I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm an introvert, and I'm but I'm also an intuitive. I'm a uh, if you know the Myers Briggs um, uh, personality uh, scale. Well, I've forgotten what it's called, but it's I'm an INTJ: introvert, intuitive, thinking, and judging. And so my personality type sees a pattern of how things are kind of connected together and uses intuition and thinking to see how they all fit together. And that's how I form my beliefs. Uh, The second thing you said was what, value or faith? Yeah, values and inner knowing and then wisdom. Well, inner knowing and beliefs are the same thing to me. I mean, that's what I just described. I, I have this, I can see how it all fits together. And so it's obvious to me that that is the way it is. And that mm-hmm. becomes a belief. Values 
a more um, ethical thing, which has to do with, uh, you know, whether you, you get back to karma. You can either uh, have good karma by doing the right thing because you 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 uh, know that you're going to get back what you give out, or you can you can do the right thing because you feel that that's the right thing to do. And to me, that's more what a value is because you feel that it's right. You you intuitively know that it's better to be nice to people than it is to be <laughs> mean. <laughs> True. And then what was the last thing was wisdom. Wisdom. Oh, well, wisdom is something that comes, I think, with age. Knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. You can know an awful lot and really be pretty unwise. And, uh, and so I think typically as we experience and we see how things work and we learn more, we become more wise. Most of us do. Some of people go through their entire life and are really pretty stupid, even though they may be very brilliant in terms of, of – um, of worldly knowledge. Yeah, that's a great answer, though, because I was wondering if inner knowing or knowing was very different from beliefs because it, it's based on that inner personal experience. So, you know, you might not be able to explain, but you, you know it. And beliefs is just uh, you don't know, you don't have the experience, but you believe in this idea, this concept. Yeah, I guess that's true, although there are a lot of things that people believe that I don't believe because it doesn't resonate with my inner knowing. Uh, see what I mean? But again, I'm, I'm a highly intuitive type person, so if it doesn't resonate with me, I'm not going to believe it. Yeah, right. And when you say intuition, is that connected to the, uh, the soul, the, the spirit that you are in connection or you're in contact with that uh, voice? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely getting in contact. You know, there's a, uh, what is it, uh, the, the still small voice within, you know, that, that I guess in the Christians would say that's God. Well, I would say it's your, it's your, it's your connection to God. I think that our, or that universal mind, the universal mind knows everything, and we're all connected to that. We all evolved from that, and we're still connected to it, and we're connected to it through our subconscious mind. So intuition is that connection into. The re the reality uh, that is that underlies everything that knows everything. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. Um, so let's talk about the uh, those six steps. But before that, again, I have um, another question. You mentioned that we are responsible for everything that happens to us, everything, and you really mean that, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I would somebody would say, well, I didn't cause the coronavirus that it has got me quarantined, and I would have to say they're they're probably right about that. But <laughs> well, I think as far as where you are in in life, at after you know, on however old you, let's say you're thirty years old, where you are at thirty years old is is a result of your own choices that you've made and your and what's in your subconscious mind that's led you there. Obviously, there are some things like you could step off a curb and a bus can hit you. You may have done that subconsciously because you didn't want to continue, but 
the coronavirus, nah, I think that was caused by some been over in Russia and some, no, no, China, China and some laboratory that uh, got loose, you know, who wasn't something that you were responsible for. Yeah. So speaking of that, because you mentioned, I usually don't talk about this topic, but how serious is this current situation? I think it's terribly serious. I think that uh, the fact that all these businesses have been shut down for a period of time, even if it's going to be very hard to come back from this, I think that we're going to, to uh, have another Great Depression. And, and I am I'm finishing writing a book right now that uses uh, both my business uh, knowledge from having uh, been a serial entrepreneur for a number of years and my spiritual knowledge, my metaphysical knowledge, I'm putting them together and I'm calling it the uh, a new uh, zeitgeist guest, which is it's a new spirit of of uh, of prosperity and can-do attitude that we need to adopt in order to be able to recover from this situation that we're going through. I think it's a whole lot worse than most going to be a whole lot worse than most people think. I mean, you just can't shut down businesses. And there, Today is April 17th. I read in the paper this morning that 22 million people have filed for unemployment already. And that's the first four weeks of this. That's We went from 3.5% unemployment to 13% now, and it's going to get worse. So it's very, very bad. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for um, sharing your opinion. Uh, staying with that, how are you preparing and how do you think we can prepare for the, let's say, the worst? Well, I think that we will come out of it. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of people are going to be uh, terribly damaged financially. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a bad scene. But I think what we can do individually if we are out of work, for example, is to uh, to follow, to figure out what your your purpose is, and either start a business or when the when things get better, land a job where you can put that to work. I'm gonna, you know, I would if it were me, I'd be using my time to plan what I'm gonna do when when things uh, start to improve and figure out how I could do that. Uh, and that's what this book that I'm writing now, uh, the new psychist, uh, is about. And if you want, to, people should go to my website because probably by the time this uh, this uh, podcast is available, uh, I'll have finished it. It'll be published, and it'll certainly be on my website, which is shmartin.com. Wonderful. It makes sense to me what you just said. So people need to find, we need to find a new way of living. And that requires a new way of thinking, which can be a much better way than we have been living. And I love your input, this idea that we can go within and find out the thing that has been there forever for our entire lives, but we have ignored. Absolutely. I think that uh, each one of us, before we decided to incarnate this time around, had a plan. Problem is, we may have forgotten it. And we probably forgot it because, you know, we were taught in school that the thing to do is to get an education, get a job, and go out and make a lot of money. 
And going out and make a lot of money doesn't isn't necessarily going to make you happy. What will make you happy is putting your talents and what you love to do to work. And if you can make enough money to live doing that, then in my mind, you're successful. And that's what we ought to be doing instead of just trying to make a lot of money. Yeah. Thank you so much. I have to thank you here. I usually thank my guests at the end, but thank you for what you're doing because that resonates a lot with my heart, which uh, you might call intuition. So the first step, you say, take at least one full day to think deeply. That's interesting because now we have, we can take days, right? To do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. And, and ask yourself questions like, you know, who am I? What am I doing here? You know, what's my purpose? Think about this. If you had one month to live, what would you, what would you do with that month? And also think about if you, if you were on your deathbed, say you're 95 or 101 or whatever, and you look back at your life, what would you regret not having done? Those kinds of questions, and I put them in the book, uh, are the kinds of questions you might might uh, ask yourself. But, but probably the biggest and most important one is uh, that is. What have you done in your life, maybe when you were a child, that you got so wrapped up in doing that time passed and you didn't realize how quickly, you know, hour went by and you thought it was only a minute. Those are the kind of things that can give you clues to what it is you really uh, want to do deep down inside. And I think each one of us has has something special about us that that we can probably do better than anyone else. And there's some way to use that uh, to serve others. And if you do, uh, you'll be on your path to bliss. Yeah, I love that. I love the questions that you impose. They're deep questions. I also like that you mentioned eliminating unconscious programming. Um, you also talk about identifying the obstacles. That's very important, too. So step two, talk to me about step two. Seek harmony in all that you do. Well, this goes to the idea of karma and the fact that uh, the life force, the, the one mind that we've been talking about already, pushes toward growth and harmony. It, it, it's evolution and harmony. You know, when somebody's sick, when someone has disease, and you could say that, dis-ease, disease, uh, they're out of harmony. And so what life really wants is for things to, to be in harmony. And so you need to go with that flow and try to, you know, treat people the way you would like to be treated and to compliment people when they do a good job, to do the things that are, are going to create harmony around you. And that's going to be good for you because People are going to like you. They're going to want to help you succeed in whatever it is you're doing. If you're nice to people, people are going to be nice to you back. So that's why I say create harmony in all that you do. Yeah, and I agree. How do you think, um, how do we identify, how do we know when we are not in harmony with life? Well, things just aren't working for us. You know, we're we're anxious. We're uh, we're have insomnia, we can't sleep at night, where things are, 
aren't going right. And it's probably because we're not, we're not on the right path. You know, you mentioned that there are obstacles. If you, if you see an obstacle, you got to figure out a way around it or over it or under it. But if you're on the wrong path and you're headed in the wrong direction, you're not following your bliss. You're, you're not going to be in harmony. You're going to be anxious about things. You're going to be worried about things. You're going to be, am I not going to get fired? Or, you know, am I going to get a disease? I mean, these are the kind of things that, uh, that are disharmony, are the opposite of harmony, whatever, disharmony. So. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And also makes me think about, uh, like, the situation now. This harmony doesn't really have anything to do with the outside, because if this is happening, but you still can go through it, the challenges with this state of mind that is peaceful, that holds uh, positivity, then that's the harmony within, I would say. Like now, things are not going right for a lot of people. But it's the way we face the challenge that really shows the harmony within exists. Yes, I think for a lot of people, it's right now, though, it's going to be very hard to, things aren't in harmony, because, not because they've created disharmony, but because of the outside situations, the fact that they have lost their job and through no fault of their own. Uh, so, but they need to know that the one mind that we've been talking about, God, if you want to call it that, uh, works things so that they they come out for the good. And the old saying of there's, there's a silver lining behind every cloud or something like that. It's true. Um, I think it was the Apostle Paul who said uh, that, in all things work for the good of those who love love the Lord or something like that. It's true that when you, you know, terrible things can happen, tragedies happen, but something good always comes out of it. And something good is going to come out of this coronavirus situation. It's going to be a terrible time to go through, but at the end, perhaps we will all be more spiritual. Perhaps we, more of us will be following our path to bliss because it will give us the time to think and it'll give us uh, it'll have us we'll have, realize that that uh, their life is more important than just uh, making money and things like that right right um, you also mentioned uh, within step two that uh, most of us learn fastest through pain So I'm wondering why it's so challenging for us to learn from the mistakes of others. Yeah, you know, that's a good question. But it's, I think it's that what I said is true that, it, you know, when you uh, when you touch a hot stove and when you do that, you're not going to do it again. And and so pain is a, a teacher that really teaches us the lesson, if you will. And so once we make a mistake, unless we, if we keep, uh, keep making it, um, then, then, then we haven't learned. And, and there are people that do that, but it's because of something that's in their subconscious mind that uh, keeps bringing them back to that. And that's part of what karma is. Karma is a memory. Uh, you know, there are people, men and women who attract, uh, a mate that is not right for them 
and it's because perhaps they have a low opinion of themselves. They need to learn from their mistakes and not do that again. They go, those are people that go through the pain and don't learn, but most people, if they're smart, once they've done something that is, uh, comes back to bite them, they won't do it again. Yeah. Yes. So true. <laughs> On step three, you talk about expressing unconditional love and forgiveness. The title is Be Generous and Follow the Golden Rule. Yeah, well, this goes along with the harmony uh, or karma. Uh, you know, um, you, what, you, what you give out comes back to you. So uh, if you are generous and you give, people are going to give back. You know, the, I think that's one of the things that, that a lot of wealthy people realize, you know, somebody like Bill Gates, who's probably the richest man in the world, has created a, a foundation where he gives away billions of dollars and, and uh, <laughs> yet it all comes back to him, you know. It's, uh, I think that in the church, again, I don't think you have to be a Christian, but one of the things that the church has taught for millennia, and it's in the Bible, is to give 10% of what you earn. The first the first fruits, it's called in the Bible, the first 10% uh, is you should be given away. And that that's really a practical thing, because by giving it away, it's going to come back to you. It's, it's part of the law of the universe, the old karma thing of uh, what goes around comes around. What you give out comes back to you. And it often comes back to you in a much bigger way than what you gave out. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's so true, too. Speaking of unconditional love, I know you went back to the, the law of karma, which is connected to it. Um, do you think that this is a, an understanding, like a knowing that can become a knowing, or it's a practice for life? I think it's that eventually, if you do it, it'll become something that's a knowing, that is an intuitive reality. The fact of the matter is, and Jesus knew this so well, is that we are all one. And we've talked about that earlier in this program, that uh, we are all connected. We're all part of the one life. We just have different uh, points of view because of, uh, because of our memories and because of our bodies. But uh, we are all one. And so what we do to another, we're doing to ourselves. If that, that may not make sense to a lot of people, but it, I think it is true at a deep level. Uh, and so for practical reasons, we should love others unconditionally. But it, I think once we do for a while, we'll realize that it really makes sense uh, at, a, at a spiritual or an intuitive level. Yeah, yeah. I like what you just said. It will make sense yeah, to that voice within. It's no longer a belief, right? So in step two, you talk about um, something interesting, very interesting to me about projections, that that which we see in others, it's because it's in us. And the title is Be Truthful to Yourself and Others. Well, you know, <laughs> I think it's that even, that even today's psychology, psychologists will agree that uh, what makes you angry that other people's traits are or things that they do, it's because 
it's something about yourself that you don't like. I mean, it's just a psychological thing that is, I think, a, a matter of fact that, uh, you know, if, if you, if somebody does something that's quirky or maybe it's not very nice, you know, if, if you don't have that in you too that you'd like to get rid of, you're not even going to notice it. But if you notice it, it's because, and it bothers you, look at yourself because you are probably guilty of exactly the same thing and that's why you react to it. You see what I mean? Yes, I understand. This is a complex concept idea because we can think of things like uh, actions of, of certain human beings who they are not in this lifetime, they cannot understand certain things like psychopaths, let's say, people with mental disorders, you know, and they do things that disturbs us in a deeper level. But it's not, I wouldn't say it's a projection. In that case, uh, a psychopath, somebody, uh, a pedophile, that uh, that is an injustice and and it and it's you know that's not because you would do the same thing it's because you are upset by what has been done to the child and uh i know that's not the same thing that's 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 a matter of you know what's right and what's wrong of, of values i think we talked about earlier yeah, I think I agree because anger has a lot to do with values. If you get angry about something, that the strong emotion has something to do with going against what you believe in, what your values are, right? So step five, always have and pursue a challenge. Talk to me about that one, Stephen. Yeah, I, you know, I do think that we all need to have something we're striving for that we feel is important that we're trying to accomplish. And when we don't, uh, we become lost. And, you know, there are many, many, many stories of people who work for 40 years and uh, make enough money that they can retire comfortably. And then when they retire, they don't have anything to do and they end up dying six months later. Uh, they need to have a challenge. They need to have something that they that they want to do. That even if it's improve their golf game, they need to have to uh, to keep them going. And that's why I say that. So challenges are definitely part of life. You gotta have, gotta have. If you don't have a challenge anymore, you might as well go back where you came from, which is the spirit realm. And then maybe you'll think up another challenge and come back and try to accomplish that in another life. But if you you've got a challenge going and you're trying to accomplish it, you're probably going to keep on trucking. As one friend of mine said, you got to keep pedaling the bicycle. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's cute. And that's true. <laughs> and it's very different from problems. Seeing, I love the way you say challenge because seeing problems as challenges, opportunities to, to become better. I love that. That's definitely true. You know, the, Usually behind every problem you face, there is an opportunity if you look closely. Uh, it's either an opportunity to learn or an opportunity to do something differently that'll make things turn out better. As a yeah. This idea of um, being open enough to see the possibilities and the choices so we don't get stuck. 
Um, and step six, answer the call, follow, finally follow your bliss. Yeah. Well, answering the call is, that really comes from, we talked about uh, David, uh, Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. And part of the hero's journey is the hero is called. Sometimes he doesn't realize or he, she doesn't realize that she's called. And sometimes she's thrust into the adventure, whether she likes it or not. But it is being called because uh, that is something that you need to do in order to grow, evolve, become the person that you uh, are able to become. Is, is to pursue that invent, adventure and to go through the difficulties and the trials and to fight the dragon and to, uh, or in the case of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, to get the broom and bring it back to the wizard. You've got to do that in order to become who you can become. And so mm-hmm. in order for that to happen, you have to first answer the call. And the call is to leave what you're doing and begin doing what and begin following your path to bliss putting your unique capabilities your unique unique talents to work in the service of others and that's what i mean by answering the call right i love the way you say that uh, seeing life as an adventure that is so wonderful i'm wondering if we can also see death as an adventure the physical death i think so i i think so i think that uh when you're going to be going to a new place maybe actually it's an old place you've been before you're going to be returning uh i think that you should not fear death, uh, that you should uh, be happy that you're going to be going, rejoining probably a group of souls that you've been with for many, many millennia, that you're evolving together, your soul group. I think of it as your soul group where uh, they might, they are with you now, as maybe as some of them as, uh, some of them as, what we might think of as guardian angels or guides and some of them as friends or relatives or, or children that you have or your spouse or your brother, or your sister. Uh, those, uh, some of those people are part of your soul group and all of your soul group, whether they're incarnate or not exist on the non-physical plane. And when you return to, to it, you will, you will be back in that group. And so you'll be around people that you love and uh, that you can identify with and you can share stories with. And, and so it will be an adventure. Yeah, that's another thought uh, that's so wonderful. I just try most of the time to uh, stay here <laughs> in this adventure one at a time. <laughs> so I'm not thinking too much about what will happen. But yeah, I love the idea that at that moment, that when we are losing the body or transition, that we are aware enough to know that, that this is an adventure. So we can live in peace and also transition in peace. Correct. Correct. I think that the fear of death is something that causes a lot of uh, difficulty for, uh, for a lot of people. And that's too bad because I don't think it is something to fear. Uh, I don't fear it any longer. I, I certainly did until I 
learned what I've learned about it. But uh, it is fear of death is one of the six and probably the most uh, uh, the biggest fear. There's six basic fears that uh, that can can hold us back, and and that's a big one: fear of death, fear of jealousy, a uh, fear of uh, loss of love. Fear of poverty, the fear of ill health, and uh, I forgot, I don't know if that's six, but those are. Yeah, I wish I knew them. <laughs> but that makes sense what you said, being the first ones, that the fear of um, the first one might be losing the people we love and then losing our own bodies, right? Yeah, fear of old age. That's, uh, they're all, they're the six basic fears, which I'm putting in this new book that I'm writing right now and how to overcome at least the fear of poverty because that yeah. that can hold you back in a way that uh, keeps you from following your bliss right and i also love at the end of your book you suggest some methods that can create more bliss in our lives and you have many of them taking time for yourself um at least five minutes and you, you talk about spending time in nature I love that exercise, meditation, and much more. Uh, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book before I ask you my final questions, Steve? Uh, no, just to, uh, again, encourage people to visit my website, shmartin.com. And uh, hopefully, if they have any comments, they, anything they want to tell me or any suggestions they want to make uh there's a contact form on my website they could that i'll i'll get an email if they fill it out and, and click send and i'll answer them sounds great so my final questions what was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in this lifetime you know I, i've had several businesses i've started several businesses i've been successful but i really don't like managing people uh, i don't <laughs> like you know them coming to me and saying you know i really need a corner office with a the uh a wooden trash can <laughs> that's <laughs> great <laughs> uh, so you know admitting to myself that i really don't like what i'm doing in that regard is was uh, was a big revelation and, and kind of hard for me to take but i've accepted it now Mm, and that's also part of that, um, this creating peace, inner peace in this lifetime, in this adventure, acceptance, isn't it? Letting go, surrender. Yeah, well, that's one of the things, you know, you, it's, it's the, uh, it's the Al-Anon prayer where you, you, uh, you, you accept the things you can't change and you change the things you can change. I forgot exactly how it's worded, but that's basically the message. You know, there's certain things you can do nothing about. You might as well accept it and let it go. And then there are things you can do something about and that you ought to address and do something about. Right. I love that. And by accepting the things we cannot change, that creates more flow of energy, of positive in space, right, for the creation of new things, a new life. Absolutely. Absolutely. What is another word for healing? I think healing is, again, comes back to harmony, things coming together the way they are meant to be in, in harmony. And so, you know, when you have a you have an open wound and it heals, the life force brings those two parts of you together and mends them, mold, mends them together. And that's creating harmony. And, he, and, and, and we would 
also say that's healing. Yeah, I love that. You actually asked this question earlier in our conversation today. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Um, I, I can say honestly, no. I'm, I'm doing what, uh, what I love and uh, hope I can keep doing it for a while longer. Yeah, what a great answer. Every time I hear it. <laughs> what are three things about life you know for sure as of today? Three things about life are that um, consciousness is life and life is consciousness. And we're here for a purpose. That's three things. But uh, that we, um, I'll say, we're all part of the one life, that, there, that all is one. There is one life and we're all part of it. We're just different aspects of it. Okay. It has been a peaceful conversation. Thank you for your presence, your wisdom. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you for having me. And my last, last question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Uh, you can find them at my website, uh, shmartin.com. S as in Sam, H as in Henry. Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N.com. And uh, you'll see a tab that has my books. You can click on that. You'll see that most of my books there. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can uh, click on the contact uh, Steve tab and do that. So come to my website. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Steve. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Stephen Holly Martin, please visit his website, shmartin.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.